We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. Oh, my. The Lakers get a big win against the Memphis Grizzlies. Anthony Davis, what a dominant performance. 30 points, 22 rebounds, a massive win for your Lakers that has bumped them up currently to the ninth seed in a Western Conference. Doesn't mean it's time to exhale. Doesn't mean it's all over or anything like that. And the Lakers are in the playoffs or anything. It's a long way to go, and it's very, very compact in the Western Conference. Anything can change day to day, but still good to see the Lakers finally moving up in the standings and currently sitting in that nine seed out West. What a game. You know, the Lakers, they needed this one. We've been talking about how they can't do this win one, lose one thing anymore. They've got to stack up wins. It looks like they may be on the verge of doing that with this win against the Memphis Grizzlies. Pick up now a second win in a row big big stuff again from anthony davis but we also saw a number of lakers role players step up big time in the clutch we saw uh rui hachimura have maybe his best game as a laker maybe but a really good bounce back performance for him 17 points six boards for rui hachimura then you got out of austin reeves the standard steady performance 17 points seven assists 33 minutes played he was excellent uh, particularly on a night when a number of other guards weren't excellent, specifically Malik Beasley, Lonnie Walker were both not excellent. Austin Reeves, his contributions were very much needed in this one. Then you look at Troy Brown, 13 points, four boards, and you think, well, that's not that great. Also made some of the biggest plays of the game, including a massive three-point hit uh, to help secure the win for Troy Brown. Love seeing that out of him. Eight boards chipped in by Jared Vanderbilt. Only 24 minutes for him. 17 points for Dennis Schroeder. Nine assists. Didn't shoot great. 0 for 3 from 3. 15 or 5 of 14 shooting from the field. But Dennis Schroeder made some big plays down the stretch as well, including hitting a tough shot. Again, this was a win the Lakers needed. And if we take a quick peek at the standings now, the Lakers sitting in the nine seed, and they are a game and a half back of the Clippers. And the Wolves, who are both tied with a record of 34 and 33, Lakers now game and a half back of those two teams for the seven or the eight seed in the Western Conference. They are two games back of both the Mavs and the Warriors for the fifth and sixth seed. Now, I'm not saying the Lakers are going to move up that high, but also worth noting, the Pelicans only half a game behind the Lakers sitting in the 10 seed. 
The Thunder won tonight over the Warriors. Not the ideal outcome for the Lakers. I suppose if the Lakers do go on a big run and catch the Warriors, it will sing a different tune. But the Thunder nipping at the Lakers' heels as well. Uh, they are just half a game back, just like the Pelicans are. The Blazers also sitting half a game back. The Jazz one game back by virtue of their loss today to the Dallas Mavericks. So this is far from decided, but right now the Lakers again sit in the nine seed. I don't think I have to, well, I'll play the drop, but everybody knows who this is going to. Superstar of the night. Anthony Davis, very clearly the superstar of the night in this one. He was absolutely tremendous in this game. The only issue, only issue, perhaps being turnovers from Anthony Davis, didn't have a, a super easy time hanging on to the basketball. There were a number of Lakers who struggled with turnovers in this game, but they finished with just 13. You know, they had 12 heading into the fourth quarter. And the fact that they only got one more turnover in the fourth, uh, I think that was a big part of why the Lakers were able to come away with the win. But AD, seven turnovers in this one, some of them sloppy. The only real criticism of his game tonight. Otherwise, he was fantastic again. 22 big rebounds. Seemed like every time the Lakers really needed a board, there was AD rising up like the Mosasaur from Jurassic World, just snatching that rebound out of the air above everybody else. Three assists, two blocks, and again, 30 points. It it felt like anytime Anthony Davis was off the floor, everything went downhill. And that is evidenced by his plus 22 plus minus rating here in this game as well. So AD, very clearly the superstar of the night. That was never in question here. And you know what? We've been asking, can the Lakers build around AD? Can he be that 1A guy? Now, this doesn't mean necessarily that he's got great longevity. We'll see how long he can keep this up for. But if you look at the recent stretch of games from AD, when the Lakers needed it, he stepped up. And there was something just, I don't know, poetic, just perfect about AD having this kind of performance on Pau Gasol's jersey retirement night. It felt right seeing Gasol's jersey in the rafters next to Kobe's. And it felt right seeing AD go berserk as a Lakers big man on the night when a fellow Lakers big man, a fellow champion, was being honored. Great to see. Great to see. For more reasons than just winning the game. Drew Potter chimes in with the Super Chat. Says, great team effort. Have to wonder wonder if turnovers are a result of poor outside shooting. Uh, many came from passes into a packed paint. That can be part of it. I mean, I thought, I thought Malik Beasley was not necessarily great in this game. Uh, particularly Beasley just shooting the ball, didn't have it. And Darvin, to his credit, went away from him. Beasley played 22 minutes in this one. Austin Reeves got 33, got the lion's share of the minutes, which is exactly what we were calling for over on Playback. If you join the uh, the Playback feed and watch the game with us, that's playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. Great way to take in these games and hang out with us and talk hoops while we're, we're watching the game. But Beasley was not shooting the ball very well. Neither was Lonnie Walker. Beasley and Walker combined for one for 10 from three. One for six from Beasley, 0 for four from Lonnie Walker. So that does embolden Memphis to pack the paint. The Lakers just 25% from three in the game. So that can be part of it. That can help force some turnovers. Part of it also is Memphis is a team that's really good at, at forcing turnovers, but um, 13 turnovers, you'll live with it. This is That's half. The Lakers cut their turnovers in half compared to the last time they paid, played the Grizzlies. You'll take that. You'll take that. Again, I wasn't super thrilled with 12 turn, turnovers going into the fourth, but to finish with 13 and win the game, 
I'll take it. Co-op. Knew there'd be some BS calls when I saw Eric Lewis, but AD, oh my goodness, did everything, even running the fast break. MVP AD in the ninth seed, baby. Yeah, AD did get MVP chance. He is playing at an MVP, MVP caliber level right now. And yeah, there were some frustrating calls as well. Part of it, though, part of the frustration is we all know what's at stake. We all know what's riding on each and every game. And if you're not sure, by the way, if you're not sure what's going on with these games, if you're not sure what the play-in looks like, what the difference between getting the 7th or 8th seed or, or the ninth or 10th seed or any of that kind of stuff, you're not sure what all the different strength of schedules look like or anything like that, I just did a video over on Lakers Nation breaking all of that down. So youtube.com slash Lakers Nation, if you're not sure, I went through, it took me about 14 minutes, but it's worth it. I went through everything so everybody is completely up to speed and knows exactly what's going on with the Lakers. So again, if you aren't sure exactly what's on the line here for the Lakers in these uh, closing weeks, the title is Lakers can finish in what place full breakdown of their playoff push. So you can find that over on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. I break everything down for you right there in that video explaining exactly what's on the line. But because most people do understand what's going on here, um, I think the missed calls draw an even more exasperated response, right? Perhaps even more angry response. I certainly feel it when I'm watching the games because I'm living and dying with every play just like all the rest of you are because we know what's on the line. We know how critical each game is right now. And it's very important that the Lakers get these wins. And so the missed calls, the wrong calls, oh man, they stand out even more. I mean, hey, Memphis, you get Roddy slashes Anthony Davis's face and it's a common foul and Memphis gets to play the Lakers with no AD for a big chunk of the second quarter and they launch a big comeback. That's frustrating to see in and of itself. And then you add in some pretty rough calls that we saw, but ultimately the Lakers got the win. Can't be too upset. Uh, this person, Nicolo, said, Rui haters quiet. See, here's the here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, we, we get into this mindset of everybody's either a hater or a stan, right? Like, we have to exist in one camp or another. And then if that player plays well, the stands run around celebrating and say, where are all the haters at? And if that player p plays poorly, the haters come out and start and start trashing that player. And where all are all the, the stands at? And, and what are they saying? This guy's terrible and all that kind of stuff. How about we just explain what's happening? How about we just talk about what ha actually happened in the game? Ruiz had some poor outings recently. And we talked about those. And it's fair to talk about how he hasn't been playing well. I talked about this multiple times over the last few days that I expected there to be a bounce back. I expected him to probably start playing better because progression to the mean, if you want to call it that, regression to the mean, whatever you want to call it, his numbers are going to bounce back towards their averages. I think he's going to start finishing a little bit better at the rim. I think his number, numbers are going to tick up, which means we're going to see better games out of him as the average starts to come into play. So as Rui has good games, we're going to talk about how great he played in these good games. This was one of them, and credit to him. He made big plays. He made plays that helped the Lakers win this game. But just like any other player, they have a bad game. We're going to talk about why the game was bad. If they have a good game, we'll talk about why the game is good. We don't. Get, you don't have to get locked into, I'm a stand or I'm a hater or I'm whatever, and I'm rooting for this player to fail. I'm rooting for this player to succeed. How about we just 
talk about the game as it as it happens. Maybe that's crazy in, in today's world, but talk about what what the player's doing and what it means in the bigger context. And is he playing well? Is he playing poorly? Doesn't make you a hater. Doesn't make you a stan or, or whatever. You just react to things as they're happening. Sean said, we bullied Rui into a good game. Uh, again, I think this was, this was, Rui was due for this. Rui was due for a performance like this. And I thought he was helpful, not just in scoring the ball, um, but also on the boards. He was helpful. I thought he did a really nice job there. Ultimately finishes with six rebounds in 28 minutes. And Darwin's been getting on him about making sure that he's making contributions on the glass. 17 points. He's a plus 22 on the night. The dude's 6'8 with a 7'2 wingspan. Yeah, his finishing at the rim leaves something to be desired. Um, but I think better days lay ahead for him there. I also will say that his shooting ability has not been great over the last couple of weeks. Today, we saw a bit of a bounce back. One for three from three. I'll take that. I'll take that from Rui. If he shoots 33% from three, I would take one for three every night out of Rui. Seven for 11 from the field. Hit some big shots. Made some big plays. Nice night for Rui Hachimura. We'll take it. Ace of hearts. Austin Reeves is saucy AF NBA universe. Really got to start acknowledging that. Also, I know you heard that golden eye 007 in the final seconds. Good win. Yeah. Look, Austin Reeves was fantastic in this game. Um, just an excellent performance. You know, you look at Austin and you see 17 points, seven assists, no turnovers, no turnovers. And on a night win, you didn't get the performance you needed out of Beasley. And I think Beasley will bounce back. You didn't get the performance you wanted out of Lonnie Walker, who, again, I think he has games where he could get hot and give you 15 points. Tonight was not that night. Only played 16 minutes. And you could argue maybe those minutes were a little bit too high when it was pretty obvious that Lonnie didn't have it on either end of the floor. Defensively, he was making mistakes as well. But it was so critical that some other guards step up when those two guys couldn't get it going. And it was Austin. Austin did that. And then he helped seal the win when the Grizzlies were selling out to stop the entry pass from going to AD and Austin with, if you want to say it this way, saucy dribble uh, hits the, the bank shot off the glass, a la Tim Duncan, or I suppose, if you will, a la our old friend, Russell Westbrook, Uh, J dog Lakers fan. Nice win. We in the play in, but can't play around. Oh yeah. No, no, no. This by no means the Lakers sitting in the nine seed right now, by no means, is this time to exhale and say, oh, they're in. No, no, no. The Pelicans have a stretch coming up. I think they play three or four more games, and then they have a stretch where for four games, they play the Rockets, the Spurs, and the Hornets. They're probably going 4-0 in that stretch. There's going to be, and the Pelicans have the 28th ranked strength of schedule, I believe it is off the top of my head, from here on out. They have a very easy schedule. Now, the Lakers do too. They're like 26th from here on out. But the Pelicans have a very easy strength of schedule. You know they're going to win games. The Lakers, they have no time to take their foot off the gas. This There is no time to exhale here. Sigh of relief. Nope. This is way too compact in the West. Um, they've got to continue rolling and, and keep racking up wins starting Friday against uh, the Raptors. By the way, speaking of which, um, the the... Lakers, I think, are going to get D'Angelo Russell back on Friday. He was questionable to play in this one. The Lakers ultimately held him out. Dave McMenamin said part of the reasoning was because the Lakers get two days off after this. And so then, by holding him out today, you get three full days off to get D'Lo back to 100%. 
and then ideally he'll be able to go uh, in the game on Friday. So D'Angelo Russell should be back, um, I believe, on Friday, unless something happens, something else happens with his ankle. But ideally, Lakers get D'Lo back, so they'll be closer to being healthy. Uh, Reed, great win. Let's keep it rolling. Tomorrow could be big for the Lakers in the standings. Give them a little gap in the play-in. So a little peek ahead. There is, how do I want to put this? There's an uncomfortable situation um, coming up tomorrow. So the Mavs play the Pelicans, and this is not the uncomfortable situation. The Mavs play the Pelicans, given how close the Pelicans are to the Lakers. I know I'd love to say, let's go catch Dallas. I think the Lakers probably want Dallas to win that game. You want to push the Pelicans down in the standings as much as you can. Uh, OKC plays Phoenix. Pretty clearly you want Phoenix to win that game. Toronto plays the Clippers. Clearly, you want the Raptors to, to win that game. But there's another game. Um, some of you already know what I'm talking about. The Portland Trailblazers visit um, the Boston Celtics. The Blazers visit the Celtics. And the Lakers need, badly need, the Blazers to lose. And so that means that somehow... We're going to need to take some anti-nausea medication. We're going to have to fight through the that gross feeling. And we're going to have to hope for a... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I don't even want to say it. We're going to have to hope for a win coming out of the Northeast. Somehow, somehow we're going to have to grit our teeth and get through that. Not a great situation for the Lake for a Lakers fan to be in, but that is what's going to be best for the Lakers in their playoff push. By the way, the Blazers do have one of the most difficult strength of schedules from here on out. Second in the NBA in difficulty and strength of schedule from here on out. So I would expect, despite how compact things are, I would expect, and the jazz are fourth. I would expect the jazz and the blazers to be the teams that kind of drop a bit in the standings based on their strength of schedule. Anime dude said, I've never been so happy to be the ninth seed before. Just, just wait. Imagine if the Lakers get above 500. Imagine how, how happy you'll be feeling then, right? Um, strange to feel that way, but this team sure is playing different basketball since the trade deadline. They are now seven and three since the trade deadline, since adding, or since I should say, since the players arrived with the Lakers. Now, LeBron hasn't played for part of that stretch. He was in action for part of it as well. Same thing with D'Angelo Russell, but seven and three since adding players at the trade deadline. Bruce said, hell of a win, Lakers Nation. AD dominated, 
And I believe with this win, the Lakers are the ninth seed as, as of this moment. Yes, indeed they are. And it was a great win, Bruce. Fantastic win for the Lakers. They picked up a big, big victory against this Memphis team. Look, Memphis, we can look at it. We can say, well, there's no John Morant. There's no Brandon Clark. Terrible stuff for Brandon Clark, by the way. Achilles, he's out for this year and probably a good chunk of next year. Um, terrible. And, and not what you want to see at all. But they're without John Morant for reasons, which you all know about. Uh, Steven Adams should be returning soon. So the this is not a 100% Grizzlies team, but the Grizzlies also have been that team where guys get hurt and they keep on chugging along. They just keep winning games. They're a, a difficult team to beat. And the Lakers went in there and got it done. And without LeBron and without D'Angelo Russell, I'm not taking anything away from the Lakers. I'm not looking at this and going, well, you know, which by the way, you're going to hear this from fans of other teams. Well, but it was the Grizzlies without jaw. It was the Grizzlies without Adams. It was the Grizzlies without Brandon Clark. Yeah. It's the Lakers without LeBron and the Lakers without D'Lo take nothing away from the Lakers. This is a massive win against a team that has proven that when they're missing players, they can still be extremely dangerous. Give all the credit in the world to the Lakers for getting the job done. Koa, welcome Rui and Austin Reeves. Seriously got some bag made two insane lamps. Yeah. Austin, that up and under layup. Oh my goodness. Uh, Troy Brown's been shooting lights out, but Malik Beasley desperately needs D'Lo and Braun. He's been off. I've been talking about this on the show. Malik Beasley is negatively impacted by the absence of LeBron James and D'Angelo Russell more than anyone on the team. And you can see it. And it's clear. And it look, it makes sense. This is a guy who thrives when teams are paying attention to stars, paying attention to LeBron, paying attention to D'Angelo Russell, paying attention to AD, and that gets him open looks from three. And that's when he can really do damage. Without LeBron, without D'Lo, he doesn't get those looks nearly as much. Yes, teams will still collapse on AD, but they'll collapse by sending an extra defender off of, say, Bando. Right? Jared Vanderbilt. They'll send an extra defender off of Rui when he's behind the three-point line. And they won't send that extra defender off of Beasley. Instead, they'll stay glued to Beasley in fear that he is going to get it going. And so Beasley is not getting the quality of looks that he was when LeBron was on the roster. And so it makes him much less effective. And again, it makes sense on paper why that would be the case. And it's and we're seeing it in practice. He just hasn't had it going. The Lakers could really use a hot shooting game out of Malik Beasley. He is due for one, even with the quality of looks being more difficult than they have been previously. We're due for like a 20 point, you know, six for, for nine, three point shooting night out of Malik Beasley. Hopefully that's coming on Friday. Kyle Hampton. Yep, that's it right there. Now again, random thought. Can you imagine if 2011 Lamar Odom were on this team? Absolutely. 2011 Lamar Odom would be uh, incredible on this team. Now you can say that maybe he doesn't shoot uh, the three quite well enough and, and all of that. But um, you know what? Lamar was a tremendous talent. And I think that if he was brought up in today's NBA where he'd be practicing the three a lot more, man, he'd be a great player in the league right now. Um, Sean, Sean Tate said, I can't believe I actually considered trading AD. We, we know he's capable of this. We know AD is. And when he's playing like this, he's one of the best players in the NBA, Right. If AD played like this, also, let's say AD played 70 games and all 70 games were at the level he's playing right now. He is firmly in the MVP talks and the Lakers are much better. The Lakers record is not 
the nine seed. The Lakers are probably like the five seed, the four seed, three seed, something like that. But if AD could do that all season, he's an MVP candidate every single year. That's the level of basketball he's playing right now. He's playing MVP basketball. But that's not been the problem with AD. The problem hasn't been that he can't get there. The problem has been that he can't stay healthy in order to keep his play there. So when AD is doing this, it's great. He's got to stay healthy, though. He's got to stay on the floor for the final, what is it, 16 games left. He's got to stay on the floor for the Lakers to have a shot. And we'll see if he can do it. Um, Again, we headed into this season. Starting this season, we said, this is going to be a test. The Lakers are going to find out. Can AD be the guy that is going to take that torch from LeBron and continue it into the next era of Lakers basketball? That was one of the question marks that was up in the air. And if not, then maybe some tough decisions need to be made this summer. So far, we've seen through stretches, AD hit that level where you just go, wow, this guy is on another another level of play. This guy can be that player for the Lakers moving forward. Can he do it consistently? That's been the question. Anthony Davis. Retro Hip Hop said, let's not have Wendy Gabriel and AD on the floor together. Well, part of that was, you know, you had Xavier Tillman out there who's who's pretty physical in his own right. Um, Yeah, there were some moments where it was a little bit clunky, but again, you're missing LeBron who acts as one of your bigger players, one of your power forwards for this Lakers team. And you're missing D'Angelo Russell. So there's going to be kind of a trickle down effect there where other guys are going to get minutes. We're seeing Lonnie get minutes in part because of that. And then Jared Vanderbilt was in foul trouble. And so that's why I think Darvin out of necessity went to that. I do think AD and Mobamba together at some point, like if the Lakers have a 30 point lead at some point, or if, or God forbid they're getting blown out or something, you give that a look. But when you an AD, I think can be okay, but AD doesn't get a lot of respect behind the three point line. Neither does Wenyan can get a little tough there offensively. Uh, how is Ron Gutterman feeling after saying Troy Brown Jr. is unplayable? That must have been a few weeks ago. Uh, Troy Brown has been on a tear since then. There were moments in this season where Troy Brown was not good, where he was uh, unplayable just about, where he wasn't shooting the ball well. But, I mean, for him, this is the best time to do this. For him, because he's, I mean, he keeps playing like this. He's getting paid this summer. Somebody's going to pay him. And it Probably won't be the Lakers, unfortunately. Being able to hang on to him. They don't have bird rights on him because he only has a one-year deal. It's the Malik Monk situation all over again. But all the credit in the world to Troy Brown. He's been great. He's been shooting the ball well. He's playing with confidence. That dunk that he threw down. Oh, man, I loved it. He gets the steal, goes coast to coast, sees Conchar coming up behind him and says, come get this. Try to stop. That didn't do the whole, well, I'm going to lay it up. I'm going to try to back into the guy and get some, some contact or whatever. No, he just went in and dunked on him. Just fantastic stuff from, from Troy Brown. You love seeing it. He's playing tremendous basketball. Somebody with a great name, Trevor, said, Lake Show back, baby, let's go. AD's a monster. Yeah, AD was great. Hibachi Murrow with another good game. Yeah, and look, Rui needed it. Rui needed a bounce back game, and this was it for him, and he was tremendous for the Lakers. Great win, Darius G. Can't help. But think to how high we would be in the standings had we not been robbed in those games. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, the Lakers had four games taken away by the referees. Four games. So, and look, I know a lot of teams have games they can look at and say, well, we should have won, but the refs called this, that, and the other. But the Lakers had four games where 
in crunch time on the final play, the referees blew one, if not multiple calls. If you flipped four games, the Lakers would be 36 and 30. And right now they would be the five seed and have a little bit of cushion in that five seed. And they'd be right. They'd be a half a game behind the Suns for the four seed. And we'd be feeling pretty confident right now. Right. Uh, Federico said, are you sure Tyus Jones is the best backup point guard? Uh, Reeves. Look, Reeves was very good. Tyus Jones, you know, he didn't have a great night tonight. He did get hit a few floaters and things like that. But yes, Tyus Jones, I do think is probably the best backup point guard in the NBA. If he's not, he's on the short list. I mean, he still had 16 points, three assists, three boards. He didn't go nuts like he did the other night against the Clippers, but he's still a very, very good backup point guard in, in the NBA. Uh, Bruce, D'Lo better be back next game. Yeah, I do believe he's going to. Uh, start the Rui apology train. I'll go first. My bad. Again, just react game to game. Uh, but yeah, D'Lo should be back in action. Next game, Darvin Ham saying they're going to expect him back. Love to hear that. Uh, Steven said, everybody you've been hating on Rui, but tonight he was cooking like Hibachi Mura. Great team win. Another monster game from AD. Yeah, I agree, but I don't think it's not. It's not hating on like Rui was not playing well. So I don't think that's hating on him. If a guy's not playing well and you say he's not playing well. Tonight he was great. And I'm going to say he played great. We're going to celebrate it. All right. Let's get to this. This is going to be a little bit tricky. This will be tricky. I don't even know exactly where I'm going to go with this yet. Star in your role. The star in your role award. Who does this go to? The Star in Your Role Award tonight, my goodness. There's a number of players that we could look at here. Troy Brown may be in the mix, but probably not quite good enough. Did hit a big shot. Thought he played well, but 3 of 6 from 3, 13 points. He was good. I think Austin and Rui were better. 17 points, 6 boards for Rui Hachimura. 7 of 11 shooting. Austin Reeves, 7 assists, 17 points. 4 boards, 1 for 3. Six for 13 shooting. Rui, a plus 22. I thought there were moments where Rui did some things to keep the game, keep plays alive. You know what? I'm going to go because Austin has gotten this award many times this season, the star in your role award. I'm going to give it to Rui. I think it's, it's pretty darn close. And if it wasn't for, I guess, voter fatigue here for me, I probably lean Austin. But I'm going to go for Rui because you know what? He's been struggling. He needs this. Let's give him that little extra vote of confidence and uh, and let's give him the Star in Your Role Award tonight. I like it. We're going Rui Hachimura. We grind it out. This comment says, AD, Rui, Troy, and Reeves clutched up. D'Lo back Friday. Let's get it. Beasley, get it together. Still believe in you. Yeah, I think at some point we're going to get a Malik Beasley hot streak where he's going to, again, hit like, six for nine or seven for 10 or something from deep. And it's going to be great. Hopefully that game's coming soon, sooner rather than later. You know, I looked up the stats and obviously the stat has changed now, but I looked these up uh, day before yesterday and Austin, Troy and AD together on the floor without LeBron, they're a plus eight and change. That trio works. It just works. And I'm talking about on the season, not just recently on the season. That trio is a plus eight when they're on the floor without LeBron James. Really hard to find any grouping that is a net positive without LeBron James on the floor. 
that trio works. And if I'm Darvin Ham, I am sticking with that as much as I possibly can. Uh, Chris said, hope AD can maintain this. Me too. Me too. Lonnie Walker, really playing like he's out of here, just chucks up shots. You know, Lonnie, last game, made some shots the Lakers really needed him to make. They count on him to give them a burst of offense, so if the shot's not falling, it's going to be extra noticeable. But he had some defensive mistakes uh, in this game as well where he lost his man, but I think better days lay ahead for Lonnie. He's going to have those games where he can, can, can get going and give you 15 points. He's one of the best Lakers in terms of just getting to the basket. He's got more burst than a lot of guys do. And so his ability to get to the rim and finish is a weapon, but you have to use it in just the right way. And you have to have the minutes. Well, let's face it. If Lonnie doesn't have it going, his shot's not falling, you've got to really trim back those minutes and do it pretty quickly. If he's got it going, then maybe you get that 15-point game out of him, maybe 18 points, and you capitalize on it. But I don't think he's an every night, he's going to get 20-plus minutes type of guy, not for this Lakers team right now. Uh, love Powell and miss you, Kobe. Yeah, that, that was so great getting to see Powell's jersey up there. Um, that was fantastic. That was fantastic seeing that. Um, and all the stuff Powell said, of course, he is the classiest and just absolutely incredible. HB Triple Threat said, Trevor, me and the wife watch you after every game, win, lose, or draw. Oh, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Thank you to both you and, and, and the wife for watching. I said, I better stop super chatting you or I will have to get another job. <laughs> well, I feel you on that, but I do appreciate you guys watching after every show. So of course, shout out to both you and, and your wife and glad you guys watch the games together. That's very cool because too often we see it where one person watches the game and then the spouse does not, right? They go, they do something, something else. And I love it when I see couples that wind up watching it. For example, like my, my penance for watching basketball, I'm, I'll, I'll have my wife watch games with me at times, um, is I'll make that sacrifice and I'll watch reality TV stuff with her. I'll watch 90 Day Fiance. I'll watch The Bachelor and all that kind of stuff with her. That's not my favorite thing, but I'll watch it because I know she's going to watch my stuff with me. So always cool when I get to, get to hear about uh, couples who are watching the game together and enjoying it. So shout out to both of you. Thank you guys for watching the show. Do appreciate it. All right. Uh, Marco said, man, the refs gave us a flagrant for Vando's play. That was Beasley's play. What about the play on AD when he got hit in the face? Swear some refs needs fines and suspensions. That was definitely frustrating. The, look, Beasley went to defend um, on Tyus Jones. And Tyus Jones is shooting a three-point jump shot. And Tyus Jones drifts forward on the three and lands on Beasley's foot. Now, Beasley wasn't really paying attention to where Tyus Jones was landing. His foot just happened to be there. And by the letter of the law, yeah, it's a, it's a flagrant foul because you don't want you don't want defenders sticking their foot under an offensive player as they're landing because it's af asking for a turned ankle. You can have some bad injuries that way. It's It can be dirty when teams are doing it on purpose, trying to injure guys. You don't want that. So for the rule book, yeah, it's supposed to be a flagrant foul, but it's hard to watch that, particularly that play. It's not like it's not like Tyus Jones went straight up and Beasley went under him into his landing space and stuck his foot in there. It wasn't that type of play. Tyus Jones drifted forward. It wasn't like he did it trying to get contact either. I think it was just a natural drift on his shot, but Tyus Jones drifts forward as he's shooting and lands on Beasley's foot. There was nothing malicious in the play. But letter of the law says that's a flagrant foul. But hard to see that become a flagrant foul in a critical play at that time in the game when 
Anthony Davis, I mean, it was like pulling, you know, saber tooth out of the comic books and just slashing at AD's face. Uh, Roddy did. And that was just a common foul. And they ruled, you know, he wasn't doing it on purpose or whatever. But look, I thought contact to the head was supposed to be, be given special consideration as a flagrant foul, particularly when a guy, I mean, goes with his nails across AD's nose and AD is bleeding. That, that definitely hurt the Lakers. Yeah, it was a foul on Memphis, but just a common foul. And then AD had to miss a big chunk of the second quarter because of that. And the Grizzlies, of course, went on a run while AD was out. That foul, well, yeah, the Grizzlies had the negative of being called for one foul. But if that was the trade-off, they would take that all day because the Grizzlies won big time in that exchange by getting to play, what was that, four minutes, five minutes? I don't know, it felt like an eternity without Anthony Davis on the floor. So it's frustrating from the Lakers fan perspective watching and seeing that called a common foul, and yet Beasley, who's not doing anything malicious, gets a flagrant for, for that play with Tyus Jones. So I understand the frustration with the officials there. Johnny said, got to cut down the turnovers. Good game by AD. They did cut down the turnover. Now, the turnovers were bad for the first three, first three quarters, but they cut down on them big time in the fourth, and that's when it really mattered. 13 turnovers, that's right on the Lakers' average for the season. No problem. First few quarter, first quarter in particular, they had like four turnovers in the first five, six minutes. Um, it didn't look good, but it did get better as the game went on. So you may have had that perception early on of, oh my gosh, these turnovers are really bad, but the Lakers did clean it up later on in the game. Wicked Bronco, huge AD performance. Reeves better be a Laker for life. I'll talk about, look, I need to talk about that. Anyways, IDK, why? But I think I hate the Grizz more than the Celtics or Suns. Not going to lie. Okay. Masterlock goes to the refs again. Lewis was trash. Lakers versus refs. So a couple things there. Interesting that you hate the Grizz the most of any team in the NBA. I would think most Lakers fans don't feel that way. I, I know a lot of teams don't like the Grizzlies. They like to talk. Um, I forget who it was on the pregame show, but essentially called them front runners, that they're a team that likes to talk when they're up but then they fall to pieces when adversity hits, particularly in the fourth quarter. And that's what we've seen from them recently. Um, and maybe that's fair, but also interesting that you list the Celtics and Suns. I think most Lakers fans, while the Suns are starting to become on the radar, most Lakers fans would say the Celtics are the Clippers. I actually ran a poll on this yesterday. I got like 27,000 votes, something like that on which team Lakers fans dislike the most. And I had the Celtics, the Clippers or another team and the Clippers won the poll as the, as the team that fans dislike the most. Now, I also put it on my Instagram page uh, at Trevor Lane NBA in my stories and got obviously much less votes than on Twitter, but the Clippers won by a lot in that poll. The Clippers coming in as the most hated team for Lakers fans, which was surprising to me because the Celtics are the historic rivalry there. As for Reeves being a Laker for life, the Lakers are in the driver's seat to keep him. Um, they have the arena's provision protecting them if it comes to that. But they also have early bird rights on Austin Reeves, which could be perfect for his contract value. Probably wind up paying him an average of right around 11 to 12 million per season. And the way he's playing, probably worth that. And so if Austin tells the Lakers, hey, I'll sign for the early bird rights. If I'm the Lakers, I'm just saying, cool. How many years you want? You want four? We'll do that. You want three? We'll do it. He's been great. He's been great for them. He's been fantastic. He's definitely outperformed expectations. You can't let him walk away. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine how bad the optics would be after the Caruso situation? If they let Austin Reeves walk away 
And I think he's a, he's a fine value on that contract. If that's, if that's there, that's on the table, do it. Now, don't do it right away. <laughs> Take advantage of the fact that he's got a low cap hold, but you can agree to it and then just sign it in terms of order of operations later on uh, before you bump him up that salary. Uh, Danaco, Lakers in a three-way tie with the second best record over the last 10 games, seven and three. Yeah, and this is, guess what? Since the trade deadline. This is why it's like, a whole new team, right? They had six new players come in. It's a very different group than the team that we saw early on in the season. And this is why if the Lakers do make a playoff push, they're going to be that proverbial team nobody wants to see because it's like it's a whole brand new team. It's not... The record previously, prior to the trade deadline, when they go into the playoffs, that's not going to matter as much, right? We're not going to look at that and say... Well, you know what? This Lakers team, they have no shot because before the trade deadline, they were well below 500. That team doesn't exist anymore. It's what they are from here on out. And if they are playing at a, they're winning at a rate equal to the top teams in the league, you got to look at them and say, they can be a threat to anybody. If you have LeBron, if you have D'Lo, you have a fully healthy team, that's a big if. But you make this playoff run and you win at a rate similar to all the top teams, you got to give the Lakers a shot against anybody. Because the team that they used to be does not exist anymore. There's some remnants from it left over, but this is very much a new team, a new look Lakers. Mamba mentality. Yes, we moved up two spots and on Pow Night. Rui listened and fixed his shot. Proud of him and the team. This was Pow Night, though. LFG. LFG indeed. Yep, moving up two spots. Again, can't exhale. Love seeing the Lakers, at least in the nine seed. M. Dredd, amazing game, AD. Beasley should lose his minutes. Ruby, I'm all, I, I want to be, I, I hope that we learned a lesson from Contavious Caldwell-Pope in terms of being out on shooters. Because shooters, what can happen is they're streaky. A guy like Beasley has so much of his value on the floor tied to his shooting percentage, right? Like Anthony Davis. If he shoots 45% one game and averages 55% from the field, that 45% game, you're going to go, oh man, he did not have a good shooting night. Yeah, but he's going to give you 20 rebounds. He's going to block three or four shots. He's going to impact a bunch of other shots at the rim. He's going to do all these other things that that can help you win basketball games. So you're not going to look at that and say, oh man, that was a terrible performance by you. No, because he does a million other things that help you. Beasley, if he shoots one for six from three, you're going, eesh, this was a really bad performance. More of his value is tethered to shooting percentage. But I'll also say shooting percentage is not always a sticky stat. It fluctuates a lot, even over the course of a season. And we saw that with KCP. He would go into shooting slumps for months and then pop out of it. Next thing you know, by the end of the season, he's a 40% three-point shooter on average because he has a slump for a couple months and then he's red hot and isn't missing for months. Sometimes that's the way it goes with shooters. So I don't think you can just write off Malik Beasley at this point, particularly when we factor in that LeBron's not on the floor, D'Angelo Russell's not on the floor, and that is going to make it that much more difficult for him to get clean looks from three. Red said, great win, good bounce back from Rui. The fan base loves to get on Lakers role players in every era. Just ask Eldon Campbell and Rick Fox. Just something about Lakers role players. 
That's true. That's true. I can remember people getting on Eldon Campbell all the time. I can remember people getting on Fox, uh, getting on all kinds of Lakers play. I mean, Luke Walton, when he had that seven-year contract, people were getting on him. I mean, as far back as it goes, Nick Young, right? He had a great season shooting the ball and then had a bunch of seasons that were subpar. People got on him all the time. Number of Lakers role players that have kind of caught the wrath of Lakers fans. My goodness, Devin George. Oh, boy. Devin had a rough for a while there. Um, it, it kind of comes with the territory, and that's not necessarily unique to the Lakers either. Like every team has that those guys that catch some flack. Julian said, "So glad Rui had a great game for us. Much needed when Lonnie and Beasley really couldn't shoot. I love this team more and more each game. Hopefully, Delo's back next game. Man, happy we won for for Pow too. Also, AD is him. Yes, indeed is. As long as he can stay healthy." Um, love this team more and more each game. Yeah. Right. Right. Like this. I'll tell you this. And I I mentioned this when we saw it. LeBron D'Lo, when they were in action and fingers crossed, hopefully we get good news on LeBron and he's able to come back before the, the playoffs start and all that. And the Lakers get into the playoffs, of course. But when LeBron and D'Lo were on the floor for the Lakers, there was just a different energy around the team. It felt like the Lakers again. Just the way we saw them playing, the things they were doing, the energy, the aura around the team, whatever you want to call it. It was like, oh yeah, here's that team. Oh yeah, this they that's them. We haven't seen these guys in a while. It looked like Lakers basketball again. I'm not saying that means they're, they were dominant and they're going to win a championship or anything like that, but it just just felt like that kind of team that you can really get behind, that you can really fall in love with, right? And you can risk being hurt for, right? For last season, Lakers fans saw that team and went, hmm, kind of had to, I'm, I'm going to steal Matt the Optimist Peralta's bit here, had to kind of close off their heart to that team because they knew they were just going to get hurt. They knew that team was nothing but trouble. They knew that team uh, was, was just going to hurt them. And so Lakers fans couldn't really fully open themselves up to that team. This Lakers team, up until the trade deadline, not quite the same, but similar. Similar in that you just kind of felt like every time things started going well, you were waiting for the other shoe to drop and you knew some bad things were coming. And they would lose a lot of games and frustratingly so, losing games late and and all that kind of stuff. And, and that was hard. And so you couldn't, it felt like you couldn't get fully invested into this team. Now, since the trade deadline, you look at the team, you look at the way they're playing, you look at the energy that they're playing with, and it feels a little bit easier to kind of let go and be like, okay, this, this is my Lakers again. These are the kinds of teams that we're used to seeing in purple and gold. And again, I'm not calling them a championship contending team. That's not what I'm saying they are. But the energy is different. The energy is Different and yet familiar in a very, very good way with the Lakers team that we've been seeing since the trade deadline. And again, hopefully they can get healthy. Oh man, this guy with his username, Trevor Lane, the goat. Well, flatter me. Thank you. Said amazing win Lakers nation. Anthony Davis is him. Bothered me how many looks he didn't get uh, that he should have had, should have had though. Ball should touch his hands every possession. What did he shoot? 
80 on the night, 11 for 17. Uh, the most shots of any Laker. He also had nine free throws. So there's possessions that he used. So he's going to have the highest usage on the team. I mean, you can argue that he should shoot 20 plus shots, but again, part of the AD's free throws or AD's field goals can sometimes be a little bit misleading because possessions turn into free throw attempts and then a shot attempt doesn't occur when it's still a possession that he used. When he's shooting nine, 10, 12, whatever, however many free throws, that's a lot of possessions where he doesn't often get a shot up. Now, sometimes he gets an and one, and that's where I call him and one Thinny Davis. Yeah, you know, it's a bad pun or whatever, but I enjoy it. Um, if he does that, then you still get a shot attempt, but otherwise he gets fouled a lot, and so that takes away from shot attempts. So sometimes it can be a little bit misleading just looking at his field goal attempts and saying, oh, he's not involved enough. I thought he was pretty involved in this game. On the, I mean, he put up 30 points. I don't know. I, I don't necessarily... Look, the, the ball going to the hands of Anthony Davis, it's usually a good thing. But I also... We've been talking a lot about how other guys have to be able to provide something. It can't just be AD. And so I thought the balance was actually pretty good in this game. All right. Uh, oh, James Bell said he was having some problems with a playback app. He gets kicked out every five minutes. Well, I, I'm sorry for that. Um, I haven't had that issue, but I use it on desktop. Uh, again, playback.tv uh, slash Lakers Nation. You guys can watch the games with us. Uh, apologies if you have an issue with that app. I haven't heard of a lot of problems with it, but um, I will say this. There's big things coming for them. They've been. Uh, it's been really great getting in there and getting to call games, getting to hang out with people while we're we're watching the games and we're all watching the games together. It's been a lot of fun. Um, again, they are just kind of developing all this technology and everything, but uh, so far it's been really, really good, a really great experience. So I would say hang in there. I know big things are coming for them and um, yeah, stick with it, stick with it. Even if there are some bumps in the road early on, that's kind of what we expect with newer companies. Uh, B Matt said seven should be the goal to have Sacramento slash Memphis in round two. By the way, the Lakers got to repay the favor. Last night, you saw a Sacramento Kings side without De'Aaron Fox beat the Pelicans, which helps the Lakers. Tonight, the Lakers helped the Sacramento Kings by beating the Grizzlies, which now moves the Kings into the two seed. Get that. The Sacramento Kings are now the two seed in the Western Conference. Congrats, Sacramento. Um, but the Lakers got to repay the favor because the Kings needed the Grizzlies to lose this game and the Lakers needed the Pelicans to lose last night's game. What do you know? Rivals 20-plus years ago, but now helping each other out. Wesley, AD was a dog tonight, getting 30 and 22. Also, Rui and Austin definitely stepped up tonight. Let's keep pushing wins and not stop pushing the gas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you cannot let off the gas pedal at all. The Lakers have to keep their foot firmly on it. And they've been, this is what I like. The Lakers recently have been talking about how they pay attention to the standings. They've been watching them. They've been talking about them. They're very well aware of where they stand. This is not like the team is just saying, no, we're not paying any attention to it. We're just focusing night in, night out on playing basketball. They understand how critical each game is. And I think that's a good thing. They're going to approach it with the proper motivation even if we just saw sort of lackadaisical game against the wolves i think overall this lakers team has an understanding of where they're at in the standings all right we do need to get to the master lock 
favorite segment of the night. We take whatever is the most annoying thing from that particular game. We put it in. Chris, the Masterpiece Masters, finishing hold. The Master Lock. Let's do it. Master Lock of the Night. The Master Lock of the Night for tonight. What should be put in the Master Lock? We've got a few things, a few candidates here. We could say the referees, I have a feeling, are going to draw the ire of a number of Lakers fans, and maybe with good reason. Uh, we could Master Lock Dylan Brooks, just for being Dylan Brooks. Which, you know, he Matt the Optimist Peralta already messaged me earlier tonight. Uh, it was in our Lakers Nation group, ta- group text and made it clear his thoughts on Dylan Brooks. I believe that would be his pick, would be to Master Lock Dylan Brooks. Now, I will say... Uh, Dylan Brooks was great for the Lakers tonight. He shot three for 10 from three and five of 17 overall. The Lakers made him the designated shooter on Memphis that they were leaving open. And that worked out very, very well. He also picked up five fouls and one rebound. So Dylan Brooks maybe master locked himself and it ultimately helped the Lakers win the game. Um, My master lock though, I think it's got to go to David Roddy. Got to go to David Roddy because of the the clawing of Anthony Davis's face. You can't just take the Lakers start the guy they're leaning on more than anybody else and slash at his face, cut him open with your talons and not get put in the master lock. Not cool. David Roddy. There was no reason to slash at AD's face. And we could say, you know what? The referees can be master lock for not making that a flagrant foul, but it knocked AD out of the game during a critical juncture in the second quarter, and it let the Grizzlies go on a run. So insult to injury there, that it hurt you on the score right when the Lakers were up and they were down by the time AD came back, and it was pretty clear that the Grizzlies were taking advantage of it. David Roddy, you are not a literal Grizzly. You're not a literal Grizzly bear. You can't just go slashing people's faces as though you have claws Getting a little too into that. That's my master lock for this game. I'm seeing a lot of people agreeing with me in the chat. A lot of people agreeing with me in the chat for David Roddy getting the master lock. Some people saying giving up too many points. Always master lock Dylan Brooks. But yeah, I'm going with David Roddy. Oh, no. Somebody's referencing that movie, uh, Cocaine Bear. I've not seen that. I hope that doesn't apply. That's, that, that was the NBA in the 80s. That's, that's, not, that's not right now. That's not right now. The chat, the chat does agree there on that one. The chat agrees. All right. <laughs> what a win. For the Lakers, what a win. Guys, I know I have a lot of Super Chats that I didn't get to uh, yet, and I will save those, and I'll put those into uh, tomorrow's show, do a show tomorrow night. I know the Lakers aren't in action, so I'll do a show tomorrow, and I will add those to it. Appreciate all the Super Chats that that came in. Appreciate all of you who joined me here tonight to celebrate this win over the Grizzlies. The Lakers moving into the nine seed now in the Western Conference. Let's keep on winning, and let's hope the teams around the Lakers keep on losing. And I'll keep you guys updated on that 
on my Twitter account at Trevor underscore Lane. Every day I post what we need to see happen for the Los Angeles Lakers. Thank you everybody again for joining. Till next time. See ya and stay safe. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.